uh, in line with what we've been doing uh, over the last months, uh, to give an overview of the gospel itself rather than just picking pieces out of it. Uh, we're actually reading the section that we're preaching from as we go so that everybody will eventually have heard the whole gospel as we preach. And I'm going to ask Rhiannon to come up here this morning and read to us from Mark chapter 4. Okay, so starting at verse 21, the parable of the lamp. Then Jesus asked them, would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. The parable of the growing seed. Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. And lastly, the parable of the mustard seed. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they can understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. Thanks, Rian. Now, I don't know about you, but I look at those three parables and I think, what? <laughs> I mean, we have a trio here of three quite challenging and diverse parables. And I actually want to draw your attention to the, the last few verses that Rhiannon read out there. Uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 33 and 34. And so I want to start here, right at the end. Because it's, it says something quite strange. It says, Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterwards, when he was alone with his disciples... He explained everything to them. Now, I don't know about you, but from a human perspective, if I want to get somebody to understand them, I explain things in detail, which is why often people don't ask me to explain <laughs> things. <laughs> it's, like, it's one of those things, don't ask Chris, Chris unless you really want to know the answer, because he'll tell you hook, line, sinker, everything, A to B, everything well a to z and everything in between and and yet it says <laughs> yes you get the steak knives as well um, and yet it says here jesus taught the, the people as much as they could understand using silly stories that he had to explain to his disciples afterwards 
They were the believers. They were the ones following Jesus. They were the ones who were in, just in, being infused with spiritual knowledge. They followed him around. They knew exactly the miracles he was doing. They were the inner crowd. They knew the secrets. And yet he had to explain it to them like children. And yet these people who are hungry to know God, he tells stories like those three. Who understood that? No, no I didn't. You still think, what is Jesus playing at here? What is his plan here? This, this is sneaky. This is subtle. This, in fact, it's so subtle, I don't get it. Why is Jesus telling people stories that are mysterious and then claiming that he's told them something to the limit of their understanding? Well, it's actually a lesson for us. A lesson for me in particular, as I've told you what happens when people ask me for an explanation. I treat people like disciples. Guess what? People aren't. And so it's actually interesting that Jesus operates backwards because usually we like the simple explanation because we, we, we give a simple, simple explanation to the masses. And those who show enough interest, then we come and explain the complicated stuff. Isn't that right? You know, broad, broad strokes. And then, you know, okay, I'm interested. Well, okay, let me tell you the real story. But Jesus says, no, no, let me, let me tell you the complicated stuff. And if you're interested, then I'll tell you the simplicity of how it works. And that confound, well, it confounded the Pharisees. But it's interesting the approach he used to actually draw people in. Who's ever been around a Christian who's made a statement like, or has been asked by a non-Christian, do you believe that every word in the Bible is true? And they stupidly say, yes, I believe in every single word in the Bible. And you think, how can you believe in and? Is and true? Is them true? Now, it's a stupid statement to make, and, and it's a stupid, don't ever say that. If anybody asks you if you believe every, if, if, if the Bible is true, don't say, I believe every word of it. It's a stupid answer. And it's also demeaning to the person asking you the question, and indicates to them that you're an idiot. And I think we should avoid looking like idiots as much as possible. The thing is, Jesus lies in the Bible. He just did that, Rhiannon just read out three lies. They're stories, if you want to take it. I mean, they're just not true. He's not actually lying. But, and, and Jesus exaggerated. And if an exaggeration isn't a lie, what is? He said things like, rather than get the speck out of your neighbour's eye, take the telegraph pole out of your own. Although I'm not sure he used telegraph pole because they don't think they had them. But the log, yeah. He, and he said, you know, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. He didn't actually mean if your eye offended, go around ripping your eyes out. He was actually using something called hyperbole, which is an arc actually. But it, anyway, it means saying things just to get attract people's attention. Like saying that you're an idiot. Everybody who's done that got offended right then and ignored everything I've said since because you're still steaming about the fact that I called you an idiot. But you didn't know the circumstances. Anyway, how can you say that? The, the Bible is true. The Bible is inspired by God. But he doesn't always use the truth to actually get us to understand the kingdom of God. He's actually after an understanding based on our interest. When people say, oh yes, I'm interested in Christianity, 
doesn't mean they actually want to know all about it in the first five minutes. And so Jesus is actually using that. He's teaching the crowd. He's seeing who is interested. And he, he, he talks about the kingdom of God. And he reveals the kingdom of God. And to me, if you're going to reveal something, I want to know. You know, okay, what is the kingdom of God? I want to know the secrets. And, the, and he says, the kingdom of God is like a, a lamp. I'm thinking, really? Nice story. And then he says, well, no, 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 the kingdom of God is like a farmer. I'm thinking, lamp? Farmer? Not sure I get the connection. And then he says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. I'm thinking, come on, lamp, farmer, mustard seed, where are we going with this? I don't understand. You obviously all do because you're sitting there very quietly. I'm pouring out my heart here and you're thinking, what an idiot. We understand, what's wrong with him? And so, well, I don't think you are, but hopefully you're not anyway. So before we actually look at what that means, we need to understand where Jesus is coming from. And he's adopted, as we saw in these, those last verses, this idea that we should follow, that to go out and preach the gospel is to not go out and lay out the principles of Christianity in front of people. The idea is to go and lay out the fact that this is something you need to investigate. We need to pique people's interest. Because we, if you can argue people into the kingdom of God, guess what? Somebody else can argue them out. We are called here to show people something, that, which called to show people the kingdom of God. And, and Mark actually uses these parables from Jesus to actually show us how that happens. Let's look at the first parable. This is actually, he's talking about Jesus. The light on a hill is Jesus Christ. And Jesus is actually saying, I am, I mean, John chapter 8 verse 12 Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Very true. Because you will have the light that leads to life. And it's the same here in Mark. Jesus is referring to himself. He says, who gets a light and puts it under a basket? Who, hi who hides the truth? Who hides life? And he says, well, people do. And he says, you have a choice. You can walk in the light. And if you do, you'll get understanding. And guess what? The more understanding you get, the more will be given to you. Or you can put a basket on it. You can hide it. And guess what? Christians do this. They treat Christianity like a secret society. Yep, I'm a, uh, I'm a believer in Christ. <laughs> secret handshakes and ear tugs. It's not, it's not about, it's about saying, okay, this is Jesus. How do you explain a light? Y yeah, you turn it on. And people go, wow, it's light. And you say, yeah, so that's caused by the interaction of electrons with tungsten wire. and the, They're not interested in that. It's like, wow, it's a light. Guess what? I can see. Oh, yes, but you need to know that the eye takes in... Um, photons and inverts them through the lens of the eye onto the retina which is made up of rods and cones. You're all falling asleep. What's wrong with you? <laughs> People don't want to know that stuff. They just want to know it's a light. What's it doing there? Ah, oh, well it's shining. Oh, really? Why? People ask questions. Jesus is saying you know, people who are open to him will come and ask and he will bring them understanding. Who will bring them understanding? He will. And the more understanding they get, the more they will be given. 
But if they shut him out, and guess what? Christians do it too. If we shut out the light of Jesus, not only do you not get any greater knowledge, you lose what you've already got. Sounds like another parable, doesn't it? Talents? Yeah, you don't build on them, guess what? You get them taken away. Gosh, this Bible thing's amazing, isn't it? Okay, so it's about Jesus. If we open ourselves up to the light of Christ, we gain more and more. If we deny deny that light, we lose what we already have. The second parable, well, you're going to love this. It's talking about you and me. We're farmers. Yay. Come on, Rihanna and I expected it. Yeah, come on. Who knows that a farmer doesn't actually have to understand how a seed produces a crop to actually get a crop. All he has to do is scatter it and water it. And suddenly it says here, you know, and it makes the farmer sound a bit worried that he's there and whether he's sleeping or awake, this secret thing is going on in his life. This seed is, is sort of behind his back, sneakily growing without his permission. And you know, he scatters seed night and day, whether he's asleep or awake, it sprouts and grows. Sounds evil, doesn't it? Sounds like an Alfred Hitchcock movie. The seed that grows while you're asleep. <laughs> it's not as catchy as the birds. But, but he doesn't understand. Who here understands everybody, everything about the Christian life? No. Who wants to? No. <laughs> who knows that we shouldn't? I mean, it's good to, to understand more, but we're never going to understand everything until we actually stand before Jesus and we can ask him all the questions. So... We're not co- we don't have to have an understanding. What do we have to do? Scatter seed. We don't actually have to understand necessarily what we're doing, but what's the seed? It's the gospel. And the thing is, how many of us worry about the fact that what are, what are non-Christians going to think? What if I do it wrong? What, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if you just cast the seed and go to sleep? Guess what? It's going to start working while you're asleep. In fact, if you talk to people about the God, you've got no idea what goes on in other people's minds. In fact, if you've got any sense, you do not want to know what is going on in other people's minds. And so the secret here is, and this is a great encouragement, we're called to spread the gospel. And we don't have to understand all the gospel. We don't even have to understand how people... Take the gospel. We're called to be like parable one. We're a light on hill. We just shine. We just spread the seed. What happens after that? Guess what? It's in God's hands because he knows what other people are thinking. And it's interesting that it says that at some point, the farmer comes along when the seed is ripe and harvests it. That's talking about the change in people's hearts between becoming a non-believer and becoming a Christian. They change from being in the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. So is it, am I the only one excited about that? Yeah. I can be a farmer and know nothing. I mean, I love that. I can plant stuff. I, I don't even have to read the instructions on the packet and usually something will happen. It usually does help to read the instructions on the packet. It's like an Ikea thing. Men only read that when they've got one screw too many. It's like, hang on, <laughs> I should have read the instructions. That was the one that went in first. Um, the third parable talks about the gospel. The gospel is 
the seed. We, 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 who's read all four Gospels? Who's, who's read one of them? Don't put your hand up if you haven't read any. Um, but I recommend it. But the thing is, once we've read them, we, we get this picture of the life of Jesus. But even having read them all, you don't get everything about it. And sometimes that overwhelms us. And we sort of think, well, how do I explain the gospel when Mark says it this way and, and you, know, you, you read the, the story of the, the olive tree that Jesus curses? And because Mark's in a hurry, he says he cursed it and died immediately. Luke, who likes to think about these things, said, well, he cursed it and we came back the next day and it was dead. So it might have taken 20... And you're sort of thinking, well, which, who's right? And we, we, anal- we get paralysis of analysis. And the thing is, we don't actually have to understand the gospel. We just have to actually tell people how it's affected our heart. And a small seed, it can be just how it affects them. The gospel tells us to pray for people. We could just pray for somebody. And they get healed and all that does is plants a seed, the size of a mustard seed, tiny. But it gets them thinking. That person prayed for me and I got healed. Is that? Who did that? Was that God? And they start to think. And guess what? This seed grows. And it says the mustard seed grows. I mean, if you've seen pictures on the internet, they're massive trees. And yet you can fit one seed just in the space between your forefinger and your thumb. They are tiny. We're not called to be gospel experts to the world. We're called to plant seeds. And guess what? We're called to spread them everywhere. The gospel is the seed that we're, we're spreading in parable two. See, when you look at it this way, you see that they all tie together. In fact, it's very clever. Who thought of this stuff? Yeah. Must be God. And so we've actually got this whole idea that we're on a mission. And the mission is actually quite simple. But the results are incredible. But the results aren't determined by us. Everybody go, Phew. who feels a lot lighter? I thought it was all up to me. I had to go and get the whole world saved, otherwise I I, I was going to hell. Jesus saves the world. You don't. I don't. But we can bring Jesus into people's worlds. It's like the idea that we're exposed by light is echoed in verse 22. It says, For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open and every secret will be brought to light. Now, if you've got a guilty conscience, you might think, ooh, does that mean that all my darkest sins are going to be exposed? I well, yes. Uh, but <laughs> I don't think this verse is actually saying that. What it's saying is the power of the gospel is so great that even the hidden things in the gospel, even the things we don't understand, even the things we try to hide... There are some things that, because of our backgrounds possibly, or, or our religious bent, or, or whatever it is, some parts of the gospel, people ignore. But the thing is, once the Spirit of God gets into people, everything that's hidden in the gospel becomes exposed. There are secrets, I mean, Mark talks about the parables that Jesus uses as secrets. He, he, he li- he's, I mean... He likes to do things very fast. Mark is the shortest gospel and he, and he sort of runs at 100 miles an hour and says, this happened, this happened, this happened, this was good, this was bad, this was amazing. And we went on to there and yesterday we were here but next day we were there. You discover in Luke it took a week. 
um, and, and things. And he, he's just, he just wants you to get the important bits. But he's also intrigued by the fact that Jesus talks as though the kingdom of God is a secret to be discovered. It's not hidden so that we can't find it. It's hidden so that we will search for it. Who's ever got free stuff? You've won something or somebody's given you something. Who knows that free stuff just isn't as valuable as stuff you've paid for? It might be exactly the same thing. You can get a free TV or you've paid for the TV. The one you've paid for, you sort of think, well, I've paid for this TV, I'm going to look after it. The free one, you sort of think, didn't cost me anything. I'm not, I'll give it away or we'll put it in the shack. We'll put it in the shed. We'll put the free one in the shed. We'll get cobwebs over, all over it and dusty and stuff because I don't care because I didn't pay for it. It was a freebie. If it, if it dies, I don't care. If somebody throws a rock at it and, and splinters the screen, it's free. No cost to me. And it's the same with the gospel. It's free. But Jesus knew that if it was just free, people would never, eh, it's, it's that gospel thing. Yeah, you don't have to pay anything for that. Yeah, who cares? Let's put it in the shed. Let it rust. But he knew that if people had to find it, if there was a, a secret, the only secret to the kingdom of God, the Illuminati don't have it. <laughs> the Freemasons don't have it. The secret is you have to find it. That's the only secret there is for the kingdom of God. It is hidden for us to find. It requires an effort on our part to uncover the kingdom of God because Jesus knows that if we make an effort, we value the effort. And if we discover something, guess what? That effort becomes worthwhile. And that's what we're called to do. That's what sacrifice is. It's actually just an effort. I talked about weightlifting before. To actually lift the weight requires sacrifice. It actually requires that we damage our muscles to lift heavier weights. The actual act of lifting a weight repetitively that is heavier than you're used to lifting actually tears your muscle fibres. It damages your arms and your shoulders. And, and, and we celebrate it. <laughs> yeah, feeling good, feeling ripped, feeling oh, so tired. <laughs> It's like when I, I stretch the next morning after gym and you go, and everything seizes up. It's like, got to get the cramp out of my fingers. And, uh, it's, and yet, we, why, why, do we sell it? why do we think that's great? Because we see that it's actually growing. We've made a sacrifice to grow. And that's what Mark is telling us here. Find the kingdom of God. You don't have to understand the kingdom of God. You don't have to understand Jesus. It's a light. And it shines. And the effect it has on unchurched people, we don't know. But what we do know is if we cast the seed, it has an effect. It changes people. We can be the change in people's lives. Not because of us, not because of our personality. Who's got a great personality here? Come on, you all think you've got a great personality. And if you don't think so, you should. Because the better you think of your personality, the better it'll be. You know, Jesus says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. And yet Jesus loves us more than we do. So do you think that perhaps our self-esteem could do with a little boost? Jesus thinks more of us than we do. So we need to think of ourselves the way Jesus thinks of us. Lift your game, people. You're better than you think you are. You're a child of God. It's not just a, a hand-me-down thing you get. 
Yeah? Secondhand clothes, you're a child of God. The last child of God, you left these for you. <laughs> Put them on. No, they don't quite fit. Don't worry about it. We are unique and special. Celebrate. We are, yeah, it says, a farmer. You sort of think, okay, do the children of God get farmer's uniforms? Everybody gets the same bib and braces, straw hat, little sheep of, uh, stalk of wheat to stick in the corner of your mouth. We're individual. The seed that we cast is different. The methods we use are different. The light we shine is sometimes a different colour. You know, pure white, warm white. Get to be arguments about that sort of thing. Don't argue about theology. But we are the catalyst. Once we have discovered the kingdom of God, we are called to broadcast that. It's so simple, this Christian stuff. So, we, we need to get on with it. What do you reckon? Let's stand. Now, I want you to, to stand with feet side by side. Then I know that it's difficult in the seats. That you just put one foot, your left foot, slowly back, just half a, half a foot length, and put the other foot forward a bit and, and lean forward. You see... Attitude is everything. Do you feel like you, you're about to go somewhere? Possibly flatten your face. <laughs> Don't lean that far forward. You've, gone, you've taken the analogy too far. But the thing is, when it comes to faith, what Jesus is after is front-footed faith. We actually need to be ready to run the race, to go towards the problems that we're having. Who's got a problem today? Who, who's got things they need to overcome? Who's got challenges in their life? who's just struggling sometimes to get through one day after another. We need to actually get off the back foot and say, oh, you know, life is coming at me and I'm, I'm just sort of uh, just managing not to trip over backwards. We need to, life is coming at me. We need to be, you know, you imagine it like a wave. You're standing there and it just parts as, you, as you're powering forward. The opposition won't go away, but your attitude determines whether you get thrown backwards or whether you actually manage to carve a way forwards. <coughs> so stand on that front foot. Lord, we thank you this morning that we are farmers with no knowledge, a light with no explanation, and a seed with incredible potential. That we are going to use those things to build your kingdom here on this earth. We are going to light the world with the light of Jesus. We are going to spread the word of God, the gospel, not knowing what is going to happen to that seed, but believing that the smallest influence that we have on a person can grow into an enormous tree. So we thank you, Lord, that you have empowered us, you have encouraged us. We have your Holy Spirit with us, in us, and for us. And that this world is cannon fodder for the kingdom of God that we are here as conquerors, that we are here to take this world with confidence, with power, and with the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Make a fist. Stick it above your head. Let's not go the Braveheart route this time, but... <laughs>
just hold it up there and be defiant. Shake it. Not too fast. Swing it experimentally. Not too hard. Don't hit the person next to you. We've got to realize we're in a fight here. I want you to just close, close your eyes, bow your heads for a moment before I finish. One of the first secrets we discover about the kingdom of God is the secret that we have a leader, a God, a mentor, a friend, a teacher, a comforter, a counsellor. And his name is Jesus Christ. And these parables mean absolutely nothing. The power that we talk about here means absolutely nothing unless we have first acknowledged that Jesus Christ is our Lord, our Saviour, the power and the love in what we do. To do that, we actually need to state before God that we are the followers of Jesus Christ that he is our Lord. And you might be here this morning, you may never have actually said something like that. You've never stood before God and said, okay, Lord, from this moment on, my life has changed. I have become a follower of Jesus Christ. I put my old life behind me and I start right here, right now on a new life. You may have even said it before. Prayed a prayer, pledging your allegiance to Jesus Christ and then gone and done something different. Well, Jesus is the God of the second, the third, as many chances as you need to come back to him. So if that's you, I want to invite you to do the same thing as I'm going to describe in a moment. So if you want to accept Jesus for the first time or to re-accept him, recognizing the mistakes you've made in the past, I want to pray a prayer with you this morning to invite Jesus into your heart to retrack your life onto a new path with Jesus in control of your life. And if you, you're here this morning, you want to do that, while every head is bowed, every eye closed, I want you just to raise your hand up high so that I can see it. And I will pray that prayer with you this morning. Is there anybody who wants to do that? open your eyes look to the front I'm going to get Pastor Vicky to tell you some important information 